Amen. Amen. Can we put just a little bit more light up here? Um, I, I don't mind preaching in the dark, but um, all, all right. Hey, friends, uh, good to worship with you. If you're watching online, on Facebook, on newlife.nyc, on YouTube, my name is Rich. I'm the lead pastor at New Life Fellowship here in Queens. And if you are in the room here at the end of our service, I'll be downstairs in the lobby area with some of our pastors. And so I'd love to meet you before you head out of the building. Uh, please your, make your way up to me. Uh, introduce yourself. I'd love to connect. Before we get into our passage uh, today, just a, a couple of quick things here. You know, we are at a wonderful point in the year where lots of activities taking place. We have the Jingle Jam coming up on uh, this Friday, but we also have another uh, celebration that before COVID hit, we had a 20-year run of having a New Year's Eve celebration, a New Year's Eve party, and we've had to pause that for three years, and so we are returning to that, having a party from 7.30 to midnight, and this is why. Some people always wonder, why do we do that? As a matter of fact, New Life uh, had a reputation in other churches that we were like the dancing party church. We were a bunch of heathens, you know what I'm saying? And, and that might be true, uh, but, uh, but, we, but we were just dancing. We've had a history of just celebrating the goodness of God and having community and family and food. And then when midnight comes and the New Year's it rings in, we pray and we worship and we ask God for forgiveness for all the things that we do on the dance floor. <laughs> Uh, but uh, we want to be a community of joy and festivity. And so uh, this year we're returning to that uh, as glitz and glam. So feel free to dress up. Lots of you have been waiting for a place to dress up. You've been like, you know what, I, I've been waiting to bring out that outfit. And so feel free to bring that out. You can register online. It's $20 for adults and $10 for children, uh, free for children four and other, under. And if you are looking to volunteer, to pull off an event like this takes a lot of different hands, and so as you're registering, uh, feel free to click that link to volunteer. We would love to have you serve with us as we prepare to have a wonderful New Year's Eve uh, celebration. And uh, uh, speaking of which, on New Year's Day, we're going to have, we're not going to have an in-person service. We're going to be here for till late. And so we're going to have an online-only option at 11 a.m. And then on January 8th, we'll return to our in-person services. And you're not going to want to miss the opening series as we start off 2023. I'm going to kick us off on a series on how to discern God's will. How do we discern God's will? How do we, how do we make decisions when we want to go here or there and we're torn between many different options or we feel pressure? How do we make good decisions? How do we discern the will of God? God for our lives, and so we're going to have about five weeks where we explore that very important topic, and we'll do that January 8th. So just a reminder, if you come here on January 1st, you're going to be alone uh, here in the sanctuary or whatever, uh, so make sure you just put a note uh, on your calendar as it relates to that. We are in the season of Advent. Advent means arrival. For some of you, this is new to celebrate the season of Advent as we prepare for Christmas, the coming of Jesus. And Advent is an opportunity not just of waiting for Christmas to come, but it's waiting 
for, our, 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 for the ultimate return of Jesus Christ as well. And so it's a time of waiting, a time of preparation, a time of worship. And throughout the course of the last few weeks, we have talked about the surprising ways that God shows up in our lives and in the pages of Scripture. Two weeks ago, we talked about how the surprising ways of God in the genealogy of Jesus, that even in something like that, a list of names with a checkered past and history, God surprisingly shows up. And last week, we focused on Zechariah, an old man who was waiting on the promises of God to be fulfilled in his life, and God surprises him when he least expected it. And today, we're going to focus on a story that many of us are familiar with. As a matter of fact, it's a story that we hear every single year as we come to the Advent and Christmas season. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, the call of Mary and the visitation of the angel Gabriel to Mary and the surprising ways that God shows up in this passage and the surprising ways and the invitations that God has for us as well. And so Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 26, you can follow on the screen, you can follow in your Bible, you can follow on your phone. Hear the word of the Lord. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at, the, at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Amen. No word from God will ever fail. Verse 38, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Another version says, let it be unto me according to your word. And then the angel left her. Let's pray together. Uh, Jesus, would you overshadow us through the power of your spirit? Breathe on us at this moment. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see and the heart to receive all the treasures and scripture you have for us this day. We open ourselves up to you. It's in Christ's name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Praying with my children at night has been an important spiritual practice ever since they were little. And in these moments of prayer at night, I have experienced lots of humorous and theologically confusing moments, especially when my children raise questions or offer specific comments. 
Uh, when my daughter Karis was uh, young, I taught her to pray the Our Father, and she would make up the Our Father as she went on. She made up her own words. She would say things like, Our Father in heaven, Halloween be your name. My kingdom come, I will be done. She'd say, give us this day our daily trespasses. I'm thinking, that's, that's not the prayer, darling. That's, that, you know, and forgive me as I forget those who trespass against me. I'm thinking, this is not how the prayer goes. And so over time, I would hear these funny things, and then I would come across some theologically perplexing statements because children can say just the craziest things, and ha they have insight even as at a young age. And so one day, as I'm with my daughter, Karis, I asked her a question. I said, who does she want to pray for? Who do you want to pray for? And as she pondered it for a moment, she said that we should pray for God because God has a lot of responsibilities. And so I thought, okay, uh, pray for God. Pray for God. Yes, God needs our prayers because God has a lot on his hands. And so theologically, it didn't make any sense whatsoever, but as a parent, it made perfect sense. And so what do we do in that moment? We prayed for God. It was a clumsy prayer. I don't even know how, God, we pray for you. And, and, and on it went. I was making stuff up as I went. But that moment made me think about a question. It's very easy for me not to think about what God wants. What does God need? What do you get the person who has everything? Or said this way, what might God want for Christmas? I know what you want for Christmas, or you know what you want for Christmas, but what might God want for Christmas? And when we look at our story today, we see that Mary gives God something that God wants. And as a matter of fact, if God received this gift every single year from us, God would be pleased every single year. What does Mary give God? Mary gives God access to her life full access to her life. And we see in this text here that this is to be a pattern for our lives as well. The goal of much of religion is to get access to God so that we can get God to do what we want. But the goal of Christianity, the goal of healthy spirituality, is to give access to God so that we, God can do in us and God can do through us what we really want and what the world really needs. And so at the core of what God wants from us this Christmas season is full access to our lives. Not a part of it, not a compartment, full access to our lives. And this is what we see in Mary. She gives God access to our lives, which means that she had to be interrupted and go in a different direction. Mary might be the most polarizing figure in all of Christianity. And on one side of the spectrum, many Christians hold her in high esteem, almost to the point it can seem of worshiping her. Our Roman Catholic brothers and sisters regard her as the queen of heaven who hears their prayers. Our Eastern Orthodox brothers and sisters regard her as the mother of God and pray through her to Jesus. 
For many evangelical and Pentecostal brothers and sisters, Mary is, for the most part, a vessel, just a vessel, a regular person who God happens to use in that moment. And so the spectrum is very wide. For the Catholics, they tend to adore Mary. For the Protestants, for the most part, we tend to ignore Mary. But she's not just another person in the Bible. There is something about Mary. Truly. <laughs> and we are to pay attention to her life. Uh, in many ways, uh, people venerate her, but whether or not we're called to venerate her, one thing we are called to do is imitate her. Imitate her life of faith. When we pick up in the story, Mary's about 13, 14, 15 years of age, and she's engaged to be married. And some of you are wondering, how can this be, 13, 14 years of age, and engaged to be married? Those people were wild 2,000 years ago. But I just want to say something really quickly, because this is not just something that just happens 2,000 years ago. In the 1950s, my grandmother, Carmen, was 14 years old when she got married. And so things are not just happening crazy back then. There's things are happening in Puerto Rico that's pretty crazy as well. And so she was 14 years old when she got married. Mary's 13, 14, 15 years old. She's engaged to be married. And I imagine that she's so excited about her future. She's probably created a website for her wedding. She's probably sent out invitations to family and friends. She's put a down payment on the reception hall. She's registered at Target and Bed Bath and beyond. She tries on wedding dresses at King David's bridal. She updates her Facebook status with a countdown to how many days until she gets married. She is nervous and excited about it all. And one day, while she is alone, thinking about her future, thinking about her family, thinking about the joy that is to come, God, through an angel, interrupts her plans. Has God ever interrupted you before? Like you had a plan for your life. You had a particular trajectory. You knew what you wanted to do at 20 and 30, and when you got to 40, and, and by the time you got to 50, you just had your life all planned out, and then God interrupts. If, if you've never been interrupted by God, just wait a while, okay? Because God has a way of interrupting our lives. And we find that this is the story of Scripture. People just going about their business and the God of the universe entering in to present to them a different trajectory for their lives. And this is what God wants you to keep in mind this day, that God has a way of interrupting us, and many of God's interruptions are actually interventions, longing to take us into a new place, a new trajectory, a new calling, a new life, a new hope. And what we learn in our passage is when God interrupts someone, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how young or how old, God will interrupt you. Last week, we learned about Zechariah. Zechariah, this older man who's been waiting for a long time, and, and when he least expected it, God shows up through an angel and lets him know God has heard your prayers and God is not done with you yet. And last week, we needed to be reminded that no matter how old you get, if you are still breathing, if you are still here, if there is still life in your body, God is not done with you yet. 
that there are promises that God wants to fulfill in your life, that there's assignments that God has for you. God has a way of using some old folks in the story of Scripture to, to bring about his salvation purposes. We find in Zechariah, God tends to use the old. And this week, we learned that God doesn't just use the old, God used the young as well. Mary here is a teenager, and for many of us in that day and in this day today, those teenagers, you know, let them grow a little bit, let them age up a little bit, and then perhaps God can use them. But what we find in the scriptures is God is a multi-generational God, that God doesn't wait until we get to a particular place and then says, okay, I'll use you right now. As a matter of fact, the Holy Spirit has a way of falling on people at all ages, did you read the passage in, 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 the, in the Gospels where when John met Jesus for the first time, the Bible says that he was filled, Elizabeth was filled, and John was filled with the Holy Spirit. In the womb, the baby came alive. And what we find in the Bible is that God is a multi-generational God using people of all ages, which is why I love our multi-generational church, that we all have gifts to offer that we all have something to bring about for the life and the joy and the hope and the healing of our community. We learn that God is a multi-generational God and also learn that God loves to interrupt. God loves to adjust the trajectory of our lives. And so the angel Gabriel shows up when Mary least expected it and lets her know that she has an opportunity to participate with God in changing the course of human history. That the arrival of the long-awaited Messiah would come through her body. And I assure you, this is not what she expected when she woke up. She says, how in the world is this supposed to happen? And the angel replies, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. This is a lovely Advent verse. Essentially saying, Mary, you're going to get caught up in something bigger than yourself. And the Holy Spirit this day wants to overshadow you as well. And the same way the Spirit overshadowed Mary, the Spirit wants to overshadow you and invite you into a bigger story. And we're all longing to be part of something bigger than ourselves. Why do people go to stadiums to watch sports? Why do people go to big concerts to take in the beauty of music? Why do go, people go to the theater in large groups? Why do we gather as the people of God to worship with one another? Why? Because we long to be part of a bigger story. We long to be part of something that's bigger than ourselves. And God lets Mary know the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. And the power of the Most High will be on you. God at this moment is recruiting Mary into his story. And all throughout scripture and all throughout human history, God has longed to recruit people into his story. Some of my favorite movies that I love watching are those movies in which they're individual people who are drawn together and brought together by someone who has a particular vision of a team. The movie Ocean's Eleven, all the movies that people are doing, whatever they're doing on the side, and one by one they are recruited into a larger story from Genesis to Revelation and beyond. God is always looking for someone to join the story. 
to be on his team, to partner with him for the healing of the world. And maybe you've never been recruited to anything. Maybe you've been overlooked by everyone, but hear the good news of this gospel this day. God's eyes are on you, and God's hand is on you, and God longs to invite you to participate with him in the healing of the world. And yet there are a few problems, obstacles that stand in the way of us saying yes to this reality. For some of us, the reason why we cannot hear this invitation from God is because we're so caught up with our own plans, so caught up with our own story, so caught up with our own goals, so caught up with our own vision, our own values, our own achievements, that we have not taken a moment to say, God, what do you want to do with my life? God, what do you want to do with my skills? God, what do you want to do with my experiences? God, what do you want to do in this relationship? God, what do you want to do with my time? It is so easy to get so fixated on what I want to do that I never take a moment to ask what God wants to do. And so what does Mary have that we all need? Curiosity. Lord, what are you saying? Lord, what are you doing? Lord, what are you inviting me into? And so for some of us, we're so distracted and so busy that we have not given attention to the ways that God might want to redirect our lives for the healing of the world. Some of us are in that category. But others are in another category where we look at our own lives and we see our inconsistency, we see our ups and downs, and we wonder, what can God do with me? Pastor Rich, if you only knew my struggles... If you only knew my addictions, if you only knew my ups and my downs, if you only knew that it only takes a New York second for me to going from praising God to screaming at my children. Come on, somebody. If you only knew Pastor Rich, my inconsistency, my struggles, my sin, you would know that I'm not a good candidate to be used by God and to partner with God. But from Genesis to Revelation, all we see in the Bible is God using people who are broken and God using people who are sinful. And God using people who don't have their act together. And so if you don't have your act together, if you are frail, if you have some sin, if you have some brokenness, if you have some struggle, praise the Lord. You're in good company with everyone in the Bible. And so what this requires of is this curiosity and humility. Lord, yes, I'm frail and I need you. And apart from you, I can do nothing. Mary has curiosity. Mary has humility. And she offers that to God. God invites her to participate with her in the healing of the world. And do you know that that's what God invites you to as well? When God sends you to your workplace, it's not just to get a, uh, have a job and to pay the bills. God sent you there for the healing of relationships, for the healing of that community. When God sends you to a particular school, it's not just to get a degree. It's not just to get to a place where you can make money later on. God has sent you there, giving you an assignment to work for the renewal and the healing and the restoration of human beings, the restoration of the world. This is the invitation that God has for all of us. And so Mary has a plan, and it's not a bad thing to have a plan. I have a plan. I, I have plans for lots of different things. 
The challenge becomes, to what degree are we willing to put aside our plans or submit our plans to God when God calls our name? And when Mary hears the angel's words over her, she gives a yes. She says yes. She gives access to God. It's very easy for us to say no very quickly. And as a matter of fact, the question needs to be asked of us as we hear this story of Mary. To what degree have you said yes to God? Or said this way, where have you said no to God? Where have you said, God, we're not going to touch that? God, I'm not inviting you into that space. God, I'll do this thing by myself. Where have you said no to God? And where might the Holy Spirit be inviting you to say yes to God? Mary says yes to God, and what's taking place in this story is actually beautiful beyond just the pages of Luke chapter 1. There's actually a larger story, a larger connection that I believe is happening in the story of Luke because Luke is trying to connect what's happening in this story to the larger picture of the Bible. It's interesting to me that the beginning of the Gospels focus on a woman who takes a, a particular role in, the, in the, the story of salvation. And that woman is featured in a significant way. In the Old Testament, the story begins as well with a woman and a man. And what we see, one could theologically argue and see the parallels with, is this contrast between Mary and Eve. Eve was created by God, and, and Adam was created by God and, and lived in relationship, lived in communion with God. And one day, after God said, you can eat from any tree in the garden except that one particular tree, one day, uh, Adam and Eve are tempted, seduced, to believe that God can't be trusted, to believe that we should be suspicious of God, to believe that if anything's going to happen in my own life, it needs to happen by me taking control, by me manipulating, by me seizing the moment. By me standing on my own two feet. It wasn't enough for her to be in relationship with God. She wanted to be God. And so what we find in the Garden of Eden is, is, is Eve taking matters into her own hands in a very suspicious kind of a way. But what we see in Mary is the total opposite. What we see in Eve, the first woman, is, is she's suspicious of God and she takes control. What we see in this second woman, Mary, is that she surrenders to God and relinquishes control. And in her surrender, a new trajectory is created. In her yes, a new future is being made possible. In her giving of God total access to her life, the very humanity that was around her was positioned for salvation in the Messiah. And this is what God invites us to as well. The question is, are you taking matters into your own hands or are you surrendering and giving access to God? And every Christmas, God is looking for people who want to surrender to a bigger story, to a healing story, to a salvation story. And what we find in Mary is the reversal of what happens in the garden with Eve. Someone picked up on this a few years ago. There was a powerful image uh, by a woman named Sister Grace Remington, and it's a, a, a painting called Eve and Mary. And it is Eve consoling Mary 
You see the snake around her leg and the apple in her hand or fruit, whatever it was, and, and, and Eve consoling Mary. And there was a Trappist nun who actually saw this and wrote a poem along these lines here. She says, uh, when, when Eve, imagine Eve uh, encountering Mary. What would Mary say to her? And these words came about. She says, oh, Eve, my mother, my daughter, life-giving Eve. Do not be ashamed, do not grieve. The former things have passed away. Our God has brought us to a new day. See, I am with child, through whom all will be reconciled. O oh, Eve, my sister, my friend, we will rejoice together forever, life without end. What we find in these two women are two ways of living. There's the way of Eve and the way of Mary. The way of saying, no, I'm going to take control. I'm going to close off myself from God. And then there's the other way. I'm going to open myself up to God. Eve says, let me have it. Mary says, let it be. Let it be. Let it be. Let it be. That's what Mary says. Let it be. And if some of you are like, what is going on right now? Uh, go on YouTube later today and let your soul be blessed. Mary says, let it be according to your word. What does God want for Christmas? God wants access to your life. Full access to your life. And the question is, what have you been withholding from God? What have you said not going to go there, God. For some of us, it's in relationships. God says, would you give me access to direct the nature of your relationships? For some of us, it's with our finances. God says, would you give me permission to, would you give me access to direct you as it relates to your finances? The way you deal with conflict and resolve your differences, God says, would you give me access to your life? to help you resolve issues in a, a different way. In the way you make decisions, have you closed yourself off or have you said, I'm going to let it be? God, let it be unto me according to your word. Every Advent, brothers and sisters, is an opportunity for us to give access to God, to allow God in a new way to frame and form our lives in the way of his kingdom. And so at the end of the day, what does God long for us? The only ability that God longs for us, as my aunt would tell me, the only ability that God wants for us is our availability. That's the only ability God wants. To what degree are you available to God? To what degree have you granted access of your life to God? To what degree have you said yes to God? Mary begins this salvation project saying yes to God. And that is good news, but there's even better news. Because Mary would give birth to a son who would say yes as well. I often wonder, how did Mary disciple Jesus? Because Jesus grew up, and when he gets to the way of the cross, he says, uh, if it's possible to pass this cup, Father, let it pass, but not my will, but your will be done. He's saying, let it be according to your word. Thirty years later, Jesus Christ would say yes, and yes, 
and yes again. He said yes to taking on your sin. He said yes to forgiving you. He said yes to giving you a new future. It's easy for people to think of Christianity as a religion of no. You can't do this. You better not go there. You better not hang out with those people. And it's very easy to see Christianity as a religion of no. But at the core of Christianity, it is a spirituality of yes. God's yes over your life. And so do you need a new future? In Christ Jesus, God says yes. Do you need forgiveness of sins? In Christ Jesus, God says yes. Do you need hope and peace? In Christ Jesus, God says yes. Are you longing for joy? In Christ Jesus, God says yes. Do you need healing in your life? In Christ Jesus, amen somebody, God says yes. Do you need your marriage restored in Christ Jesus? God says yes. Do you need a new vision for your life in Christ Jesus? God says yes. Do you need a new life altogether in Christ Jesus? God says yes and yes and yes. The Bible says his promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. God loves you with an everlasting love. And we say yes to God because God has first said yes to us. God doesn't say no, and then you better say yes. God says yes, and then invites us to say yes as well. And yet, I need to encourage you and let you know something, that every time you say yes to God, doesn't mean everything's going to be just fine. Because after Mary said yes to God, she had to explain something. She had to explain. When she started showing a little bit, she had to explain Joseph is not the father. This is like a Maury Povich thing. He is not the father. Could you imagine the drama in the neighborhood? Could you imagine the gossip at the beauty salon? Could you imagine the looks and the sneers and the slander at church? Could you imagine the struggle she had to go through to say yes to God? Just because we say yes doesn't mean it's smooth sailing. But when we say yes, we open ourselves up for the Holy Spirit to overshadow us and to lead us and to guide us into what God has for us. And so I don't want to promise you, say yes to God. It's all wonderful from here on out. No, but you'll have a presence and the power, and resources, and strength. Why? Because God is with you. And so the question is, brothers and sisters, where have you closed off access to God? Where have you said, this part of my life, Lord, is me. Stay out of it. This area of brokenness is me. Stay out of it. This addictive behavior in my life is me. I'll figure it out by myself. Stay out of it. Where have you closed off access to God? This Advent season invites us to say yes again and again and again. Why? Because in Christ Jesus, God has said yes to you again and again and again and again and again. 
we say yes to God because God has said yes to us in Christ Jesus. Amen. 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 Let's pray together. Amen. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for the story of salvation. We thank you for the ways that you have initiated, the ways that you have said yes to us, the ways that you have invited us to a bigger story. And yet, Lord, if we're honest with ourselves, there's certain aspects of our lives that we have closed off from you. Decisions that we want to make without you. A particular way of life that's just closed off to you. And so, Lord, would you give us courage? Because to say yes to you is not easy. It does lead to spaciousness of life, but Lord, it's not easy. And we need the Holy Spirit to overshadow us, to give us courage, to help us participate in what you are doing around us and within us. And so, Lord, may we join Mary in saying, let it be. May it be unto me according to your word. We sing to you now, Lord, these words of praise, these words of worship. You have done great things for us. You have been a faithful God. You have provided, you have healed, you have restored. And even as we are waiting for other requests for you to respond to, even in the waiting, Lord, would you encourage us? We sing to you now these words of praise and worship. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's all sing together. For the mighty one has done great things for me. For the mighty one has done great things for me. For the mighty one has done great things for me. You have done great things for us. My spirit rejoices in the Lord, and I will bless his holy name. He's my God, my Savior. He gives mercy, and he shows strength from generation to generation. Oh, this is our God. Who humbles the proud and exalt the lowly and feed the hungry? So this is why I sing. This is why I sing. This is why I sing. And this is why this I, is pray. I pray. This is why I pray. And this is why my soul does magnify. 
holiday season to focus on everything we don't have and to fail to see the great things that the mighty one has already done for us. This is the challenge of our society, isn't it? Thanksgiving, we go, Lord, thank you for all that we have. And then midnight comes, Black Friday starts, he goes, it's not nearly enough. It is very easy for us to miss out on all the Lord has done for us. You're breathing today. You're here today. It's because the Mighty One has done great things for you. You find your sins forgiven in Jesus Christ. The Mighty One has done great things for you. Even in your hopelessness and despair, God is with you, sustaining you to this very moment. The Mighty One has done great things. Can we sing that as an anthem of our souls and join Mary in singing those words for the Mighty One has done great things. Let's all sing that with everything we have. Oh, the Mighty One has done great things for me. For the Mighty One has done 
time we gather as the people of God, we get an opportunity to receive prayer, to confess our struggles to one another, to find strength for the journey. I love that after Mary said yes to God, she needed some support. And so to say yes to God often means that you're going to need some people in your corner. You're going to need some people who've been through some stuff as well to support you. Uh, Elizabeth was six months pregnant in the process. If there's anyone who knows what it's like to struggle, who knows what it's like to receive the attacks and the shame from people around, it's her. And so she just needed someone on the journey. And that's what we need as the people of God. We need people who can join us in supporting us and offering us what we need in the particular place that we find ourselves in. And so our prayer team is here for whatever need you have, whatever challenge you're experiencing, whatever uh, despair you might be experiencing, we want to pray for you. And maybe today you're watching online, maybe today you're in this room and you've never said yes to Jesus Christ. I've been following Jesus for 24 years And I've had to say yes to him over and over and over again. My entire life must be one of saying yes to Jesus. But maybe you're here today and you've never said yes to him once. All of our yeses begin with one yes. To say yes to his love. To say yes to his salvation. To say yes to relationship with him. And maybe today you're saying, I want to say yes to Jesus as well. If that's you, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, if you've never surrendered your life to him, we want to invite you to do that in one or two ways. You can come forward for prayer, and one of our prayer team members would love to help you take the next steps on your journey. You can also text the phrase, yes to Jesus, to the number on that screen, 718-424-0122. And one of our pastors would love to help you take the next step in your journey. Of course, for whatever, whatever need you have, feel free to come up for prayer as we'd love to bless you and encourage you before you head out. And downstairs in the shower room, feel free to meet some folks and enjoy a cup of coffee or tea and just connect with others 
before you head out. But as we close, let me invite you to open up your hands to receive a blessing. If you're watching online, there'll be a sermon discussion time. And so uh, just pay attention to that link on the screen to engage in about 30 minutes of conversation with Pastor Jackie as she facilitates that space. Our hands in this posture is a posture of openness. It's very easy to live with clenched fists and say, God, I got it. It's all right. It's another way of living with open hands. The life that leads to abundance is open-handed. The life that leads to fruitfulness of life is open-handed. And we are invited this day to see our hands as an expression of our hearts. And so with your hands and your hearts in a posture of receiving, in a posture of saying yes, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and fill you with peace. And may you walk out of this building and out of this online gathering in the power of the Holy Spirit. May the Holy Spirit overshadow you this week. And may you give your yes to Jesus over and over and over again. And may that yes lead to fruitfulness of life. May it lead to abundance. May it lead to peace. May it lead to joy. May it lead to salvation. I bless you all today in the strong, in the beautiful, in the healing name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Grace and peace to you all.